Good afternoon. This is Morgan Nitz. I'm here today with Autumn Wallace. Hi, Autumn. Hello, Morgan. <laughs> Welcome to Art Blog Radio. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. So I met Autumn in Foundations Drawing at Tyler School of Art. Today they were nice enough to sit down with me to discuss their practice, influences, and current exhibition at House Gallery, which closes this Sunday, April 28th at 6 o'clock p.m. There will be an artist talk from 4 to, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, this is connected to the Common Field Convening? Yes, yes indeed. Awesome, so that should be a great event. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. I hope to see all of you there. We'll start with some more general quick questions about Autumn and their work, and then we'll get into speaking about their current exhibition. So where are you from? Um, so I'm from two parts. I like to say my life was divided into you know, tale of two cities. Uh, <laughs> nine years in Philadelphia in a teeny neighborhood called Mount Airy, um, and then nine years in Sheltonham, which is also sort of like a teeny neighborhood near Mount Airy, but yeah, lots of trees and isolation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that that shaped your work? Uh, definitely, um, because I like spent a lot of time inside like inadvertently I don't know if it was because like I just like to be indoors like I used to watch tv through a tent like I'd set up a tent in my living room in front of the tv because I like being that indoors um or <laughs> I love <laughs> <It> that <laughs> I need two levels um or it was like my parents were so protective of me um on like many levels that they did want me to just like run around if they couldn't see me or something so yeah, I, I had a lot of time to like be at home and think about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to do similar things. Uh, I loved having sleepovers in the oh living room. God. Like, you know, like, yeah, okay. Um, but you currently live in Philadelphia? Yes, still. Yes. Where, what area? I'm in Northern Liberties now, um, mm -hmm. like near the Callow Hill, Callow Hill Arts District. Um, one of those like branded areas. <laughs> um, and I love it. It's like, it's super quiet. It's really like close to everything but not so close that there's a lot of like traffic so that's cool do you get outside more now yes <laughs> yeah quite a bit more thankfully <laughs> what's it like walking around that area do you think that the visual like imagery specific to your neighborhood affects the way that you work now hmm it could um it could definitely be influencing me but I don't I don't feel any overt influence i'm still very interested in like the people that i see around me more and like the the interactions usually on subways i find like subways, yeah. good cluster groupings of people that i'm like oh my god i need to like mental stamp this and put this in a painting and like revamp it yeah. <laughs> do you carry around the sketchbook and draw in public a lot at yeah. all times yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's i don't do that i'm bad at that yeah. it's it's a big old hassle, so I understand. But I like it's it's like a crutch. Like I'll be going out to a restaurant with people, and I'll be wearing like heels, and I'm like with my sketchbook, and they're like, "We're going to a restaurant." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> I'm just bringing this for security." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you know I act, I actually like had to stop. I wanted to do photography for a while, and it became this like burden where I felt like I couldn't not take pictures of everything, and yeah. I, it was hard to be like. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> but you've always been a drawer, huh? Yeah, um, it kind of started in like eighth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, I've always been taking like art classes, but my childhood was more so like 
I want to be an engineer. Like I always wanted to be a chemical yeah. engineer. Wow. <laughs> I know it's a crazy, it's a crazy shift, but um, <laughs> yeah, up until 11th grade, um, I wanted to be a chemical engineer, but then in 11th grade, I took this uh, AP chem class that would be like college level chemistry. And I was like, I don't like any of this. I, I like some, but I didn't like enough of it to do it. So I was like, okay, art is the plan B. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so I remember when I met you, when we were in class together, you were really interested in German abstract expressionism, which at the time I had no idea what that was. <laughs> so I'm wondering where that, like, was that a self-motivated interest? Did you, were there perfect teachers that led you in that direction? What was your exposure to that? I think it came through my history, like, um, my history background. I was researching, like, I fell in love with Germany at a young age, um, and I was like, okay, let me find out everything about the language, the culture, like, the economy, their arts, like, what can I learn? And then I discovered, like, that really weird, like, post, pre- and post-war period of art where it was like, what's going on here? Like, I didn't know art could be so, like, beautiful and raw and confusing and, and just like gritty as that. So that's always been an influence to me. Yeah. And still is. Yes. Yeah. Your work is definitely extremely expressive <laughs> <laughs> and the figures are always very entangled and elongated. And yeah. Um, if you had to describe your own work in a genre and it can be a mashup of other genres, what would that look like? What would that be called? Um, I almost see it as, like, a form of writing, so I say, like, visual rhetoric. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, pop surrealism is always that, like, blanket influence, but I'm trying to bring it more into this, like, being a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, speaking of. Yes. Going a bit off script here. It's okay. Um, the description for your show <laughs> is very much a riddle. <laughs> We can get back into that later, but yeah. if you'd like to speak about it now. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, I want all the text about my work, or almost all the text about my work, to be along its lines. Like, absurdism is a huge influence to me. Um, so if I can cycle through words and ideas in a way that lead people to thoughts instead of just spelling out those thoughts that they should have, like, that's kind of what I'm trying to form. It might just feel like I'm trying to confuse everyone around me at this point, but um, <laughs> maybe that is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> um. Okay, well, let's just get into that then. Mm -hmm. Because the description also says that we can come back to this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the opening, at the opening, and will you be doing this again, the same um, on Sunday? Will you be doing the thought exercises again? I might. I'll see how it's going to go. I'm still working through the, the scope of the art talk, but I'm going to be starting from the ideas of denial and then, like, cascading down from there. Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah, okay. So it said that at the opening, which I wasn't able to attend, but everyone who did, I'm sure, will be able to relate to this, you let experimental thought exercises assisted by paint and clay to lead a guided exploration of the prospects of the show. <laughs> so I saw each piece of the show as like the type of denial I was trying to get at or the type of feeling I wanted to get out of the um, audience 
So I made certain pieces, and then I would walk up to someone looking at them and be like, so what's, like, what do you think is going on here? Like, who are you empathizing? What do you look at first? Mm. Um, and I'm trying to get that kind of dialogue and feedback from, I don't know what's going on here, but I think that they're doing this. And then I get to say, like, why do you think they're doing this? And then they explain, and I learn... I learn things about what they see in my work, so I'm learning stuff about my own work, and then they get to learn more about how the work is made and like what ideas can be put into these sorts of things. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I want more dialogue and more openness in the work. I think that's so interesting because, I mean, you know very well how critique, in institutional critique, can be so shaped by one or two comments mm -hmm. um, when it's a group discussion and it can get down this rabbit hole of talking about things that maybe aren't relevant to everybody but are relevant to one person's experience with the work. Yeah. And this is kind of a different approach to that, huh? Yeah. I really want, like, I'm, I'm hungry for other people's perspectives because, like, I'm coming at it as much as I source things and I research different ideas, like I can only have my own reference point. Right. But if I'm riffing off of everyone's reference point, that's like even more information to have and even more people to maybe say like, oh, I really wanna, you know, make a painting of your experience because I had no idea that that could happen or like. Interesting. Yeah. That's a little bit like engineering, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just trying to like get the gears rolling, and it's like a Rube Goldberg experiment. Yeah, like... <laughs> that's healthy, I think, too, to try to like. Well, it's a take. It's a way of examining other people's experience through your own, because the associations are blending with then, um, be then that their associations are then becoming research for your work. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting way about work of working. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope to see some of those thought <laughs> exercises on Sunday. <laughs> I'm excited for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll go back to you. Who are your favorite celebrity artists? Oh, boy. Um, so, like, on the very, I guess, like, tip-toppity top of celebrity in my mind is, like, Carrie James Marshall. Mm -hmm. um, and then next to him, there's, like, Lisa Yuskavage and Devin Shimoyama, um, who is a Philly native. Ah. Uh, Alex DeCorte, just those people. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, like, the work that you make just blows my, like, brain out of my ears. Um, and they're the people who I want to, like, you know, compare my work to and, like, see how they, how they work, um, and say, like, okay, that's how you get to that level, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex is cool because... He works in Philly, and he employs a lot of Philadelphia local artists. So, Alex, if you're listening, <laughs> hit up Autumn Wands. <laughs> I think you're cool. <laughs> um, and who are your favorite, like, hyper-local, like, peer artists? Um, Yashira Espinal is really awesome. She has, I don't know if it's still up, but Mothership Gallery has one of mm. her sculptures out of it. Um, she's an amazing illustrator, and her skill is insane she went to uh, Hushin, oh. Hushin and another Hushin artist who's super hyper local nose go um he is Goldwyn he does like the um, where is it 7th and Fairmount there's the Federal Donuts and this cute little like donut graffiti street art thing ah. on the wall and it's fantastic he's been someone I've been inspired by for years um 
But yeah, those are like two of the people that I'm like keeping tabs on you guys. That's <laughs> awesome. Hashi is really cool. Back when I um thought I was going to be a graphic designer in high school, I uh, did like a local competition and won like a workshop class there. Nice. And I had a great time. Oh my god. Yeah. I didn't even know like I didn't look at many art schools, ironically, <laughs> so I didn't even know that Hushin was there, but all the work I see come out of it is, like, amazing. So. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Hushin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. You also, I read in the description for your show and in your bio that you, um, you want a research and scholarship grant to study at the Natural Museum of African Art and National Museum, or National Museum. Oh, national, yeah. Well, I misspelled. <laughs> Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. You wrote a paper called The Origins of Respectability, where ability is in parentheses. It was focused on themes of queerness and femininity, focusing specifically on the black community. What was the grant writing process like? Um, it's an amazing process. Uh, the levels of things that you have to think of are insane. Like, you have to think of what you want to do, how you're going to do it on so many levels. So how are you going to do it by how many times you have to eat a day and how much is that going to cost and where are you going to stay and how many times you're going to travel from there (laughs) and uh, who are you going to talk to and how far in advance do you have to coordinate a meeting with them Um, how are you even going to get into the museum because you can't buy tickets like it's like a whole (laughs) it was a whole thing like I thankfully scheduled my um, my time there to be long enough to get into the National Museum of African American Mm. Art and History because there's like I don't know if you've been there before but you you kind of like can't plan to go or you have to just like be there on time <laughs> like oh, I, wow. like for three days in a row I tried to get in and I didn't get in until the third day and oh my goodness like, God. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was it was amazing once I got in but it, the, the anticipation was was real <laughs> it's funny because I mean artists obviously have a reputation of being procrastinators and maybe not necessarily being quite so organized but it's it's a pretty essential part of making your career as an artist is being able to do grant writing yeah to budget for yourself and to plan so far in advance so you said that you were in dc how many times did you have to travel back and forth thankfully i just had like a four i think it was like a four or five day trip there mm-hmm. i spent the first half of it at the african the african museum um just researching like different trails of okay this is a part of africa that has this style of art they may or may not have been like tapped by the um, transatlantic slave trade. This one was, this one wasn't. Just kind of like parsing through that, um, how they saw gender in their different tribes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then when I moved to the <clears throat> African American Museum, I was like, okay, now I'm going to see what their take on the transatlantic slave trade is because that's kind of the starting point. Um, and I it was I wouldn't have it any other way like that was the best way to kind of look at these things like how did it look when we first arrived on the continent how did it look when we were kind of adapting things to how the Eurocentric or being on European land being in a different climate 
um, affected us and our culture and our language, all of that. And then what happened when we were emancipated <clears throat> and looking back to the continent uh, and creating our kind of like connections from there. Mm. Uh, so it was, it was amazing. <laughs> I love, I love how like rounded out your practices between these sort of social experiments, these, this research and visual references back to art history. It's all very strong. It's all very well thought out and constructed, but it's not constructed. seems like the wrong word because it's such genuine interest for you. Then again, how do you feel about the word constructed? Um, constructed works. Um, it's like, I don't know. It's so hard to choose a word for like how I organize information because like, Everything that I research is definitely, like, a genuine interest because mm -hmm. I'm, like, I just want to know how this works. Like, I, I think there's, like, an anthropologist inside of me that's, like, screaming out as an artist and historian. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, I guess I'm creating, like, maps. Uh, mm. Some strange three-dimensional map <laughs> of, like, okay, this word and this culture and, you know, this language and this time period and put them together. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. In more than one way. It, it seems like it starts at this point of your experience and then wanting to understand experiences outward and outward and outward. Um, can you speak a little bit more about the paper itself without giving too much away? Because mm -hmm. um, So <clears throat> I'm basically like talking about respectability, capital R respectability in the black community. Um, having grown up as like a black woman I didn't realize I didn't realize how much weight was put on my like chastity and my appearance mm -hmm. and um the way that I dressed and all of these sorts of things so so as not to just be significant to me and not just to be significant to my family but my impression on <clears throat> all of society that was outside of like the the black community, which is not a monolith, but you know, it, respectability makes it seem as if it's a monolith. So even though I, you know, was a, a human being and like going through puberty and having these feelings, I couldn't be like sexually active um, on my own volition because like whether or not there's consent involved completely on my side, it's like, Oh, where you're gonna make yourself look bad? Oh, you're gonna get a reputation. Um, right. <laughs> you can't do these things and make yourself happy. Like, come on, it's your family. You know, you're you're gonna make us look bad. That sort of thing. So I'm trying to break that apart. Um, and also on the other side, outside of like the peer community, when I started going to like more integrated schools, um, I noticed like. I'd receive comments like, oh, you're you're pretty for a black girl, or like, oh, you're not, like, really black or something from white people. So I was like, what do you, what does this mean? <laughs> so I, I was also looking at that um, in this research project. Because then it's pointing at points of your personality and assigning them to culture and yeah. making assumptions about that. Well, I would love to read this paper, and I hope that we will be able to somehow access this. I may be creating a new link on my website. <laughs> a new link with my papers on it. <laughs> Great. Well, Autumn, 
You seem to be doing really well um, post-graduation from Tyler, which was in last May, was that? Yes, May 2018. May 2018. Um, you've always been really hardworking. There's a funny story. Um, freshman year when we met, um, one of our professors, our drawing professors, like to the whole class was like, Autumn will be the only one to make it. <laughs> <laughs> that mean, I, I felt like I wanted to like go back inside of like an egg. <laughs> like I... Uh, it, I've gotten better at it, but I was so, like, still introverted and, like, shelled then, and I was like, I'm embarrassed, spotlight on me, but I, making it feels like such a big term and such a, like, a platform and a plateau that I don't even, it's, it, it's something that I want, and yeah. I, I want it for everybody in that class, I want it for everyone, period. Absolutely. But personally, I don't think I'll ever let myself believe that I've, like, made it. Because, um, like, working is what keeps me alive. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I have, like, almost anxiety if I'm not working. <laughs> yes. And you know what? So. I was going to say, the fact, the fact that you are still going so, like, to be faced with that sort of comment so early on in your education, some people will just ride that high and get lazy, and that's not ever been the case with you I'm just so grateful that like I've had the support of like the professors and peers at Tyler to encourage me to like put myself out there um this may go into the next comment yeah. but um just like not being afraid of like putting your own work out there because like no matter how bad you think it is like like I I like my work but I you know it's all it from an artist, you're like, oh, it can always be better. Like, mm -hmm. I can always do this. And I could have done that. But, like, where it is, just, like, put it out. Put your hat in the ring. Like, no matter how big or small the opportunity is, because it's it's worth it. You'll, you'll learn a lot from the process. Like, I've gotten so many denialers from so many things. Yeah. But when you get that acceptance letter, you're like, oh, my God. Like, one out of ten worked. Like, it's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. So apply to everything, right? Yes. Apply yes. to absolutely everything. <laughs> even if, I even if it doesn't apply to me, sometimes I just I just go. Yeah. Sometimes it'll you'll it. learn. It's a photo show, all smooth sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes they're like, wow, how have I gone? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what's so beautiful about the art world. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. It's been wonderful speaking with you. It's been amazing being here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. And one more time, please come to the Artist Talk at House Gallery this Sunday, April 28th. The talk is from 4 to 6 p.m. Yes, yes. And there's open gallery, I guess, open house. <laughs> house gallery um, from 12 to 6. And 6 p.m. is when the show officially closes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Woo. All right. This is the end of Art Blog Radio's podcast for today. You can catch it on Spotify and Apple Music or just on our website. Thank you.